Welcome back to Behind the Confident Smile, the podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Cotton, and I am back with MJ. She left us on a cliffhanger. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> About the DEA. So we're just going to hop right back in. Yeah. So um, as I was saying before, um, Holy Spirit stops me from doing something that could have ended um, my husband's life. And they had planned to, you know, go away together at a hotel and her husband was planning to be, you know, off work that day um, to cause harm or and or to kill my, my, my son's father. And um, that did not happen. And the young lady that reached out to me on, I think Facebook was around, I, wasn't, I can't remember if it was MySpace or Facebook. Um, she was just like, he knows everything and, you know, they're going to end it and you're a brave woman, right? Just be careful. And I'm thinking to myself, no, his wife needs to be careful because I'm still upset, right? I kind of still want to choke her out a little bit because you've taken my husband from me and he loves you. Like he's in love with you, like in love. And still young, right? I think I was like 25-ish. I'm just like, what do you mean you're in love, right? Like, with this person. Oh, I was older than that, maybe 28, because Ethan was born um, when I was 28. And so um, we separated officially, and it was, we, in my twisted mind, still not okay, still a little crazy, still on medication, it was our date anniversary. It was Valentine's Day. And, you know, I'm pretending like everything's okay, but I'm still a little crazy. And I take them out to eat. But in my purse, I have the pictures that I laminated, right? So I let him get nice and full. And he looked so good that night, too. I remember what he was wearing. He was wearing a cream shirt, sweater vest we're in, okay? <laughs> I remember the sweater. sweater vest we're in. He was wearing a Dob hat and red a steakhouse. And he's just like, you know, I love you so much. And I said, do you? And so at this time, he didn't know that I knew that there was more than a situation ship going on. And so I pull out these pictures and I say, I want a divorce. And he looks at me and he's crying and I am baffled and confunkled, run amok. Why are we crying? You chose this. You chose to be unfaithful for, for a very long time with the same person. It's not just like a one and done, like we just not screwing, like you are in love with this woman and you're crying, sir. I don't understand. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. And at this point in time, um, he had lost his job due to being in a relationship with a client who happened to be this woman. So we're living with my parents because we got evicted from our place. And he's like, where am I supposed to go? And I said, I'm glad that you asked. I booked you a hotel for one night. It's $50 but you cannot stay in my daddy's house and be in love with another woman. Mm. And so got home and my daddy's like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, he's leaving. And uh, he spent the night at a hotel 
and my best friend at the time came over to be with me. Um, I put my babies to bed and then I went back to her house, bawled my eyes out, ate popcorn, hostess cupcakes, flaming hots, some wine, um, and somehow convinced myself that I'm a bad woman. <laughs> I got him. He gonna pay. But it wasn't him that was paying. It was me because I was so wrapped up in the fantasy of wanting to have this marriage so bad that I allowed all sense of discernment, all sense of relationship with the Holy Spirit to go in my pocket and for me to feed my flesh only because this is what I wanted. I was having dreams that he was cheating on me. I didn't say anything. I had dreams about him having an addiction and didn't say anything because I'm like, that would mean that I would have to give up my dream and I'm not willing to do that. So it was, I was literally like being blatantly disobedient to the Lord. And at one point I think that we both were, right? When your pastor says, y'all shouldn't get married. When and his the mama, mama say, y'all shouldn't get married. My son ain't ready for marriage. Um, it was just a lack of maturity. It was a lack of desiring the Lord to really be Lord of my life because I wanted to be Lord of my life. I wanted to have the control and I was not willing to give up my fantasy. I'm living in Oak Park, baby, okay? With the, with the people on Lake Street, right? We eating at Ben and Jerry's. I got my stroller, I'm wearing my yoke. I'm going to mom's groups, right? My husband's working, I'm not working. I always want to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, he's cheating, but it don't matter. Mm. What? That's insane. No, literally. No, literally. Like crazy kids. You snapped. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, not figured, but literally it's, speaking. It's, it's a sense of, like you said, fantasy, truly living in the fantasy and not living in reality. Yeah. Like, come back down to earth. Yeah, I was completely removed from reality, and then reality hit when I had to go to bed at night by myself and he wasn't there and me sending texts telling him that I forgave him and I wanted him back and him saying it's too late for that now and so somehow now I'm being punished for making the decision that we both should have made in the beginning yeah um, to not say I do to not say I do and it went we went maybe a year 10 months or so being separated and I was just tired of like wondering if he'll ever want me like he wanted me in 1998 when he first saw me in the library at Prairie State College and he didn't he didn't want me anymore and so I wasn't working and I had a little money because I was doing like side jobs I love cleaning started myself a cleaning business and couldn't afford an attorney so I Google because that's what I was good at, <laughs> you know, how to get a divorce for free. <laughs> that part. <laughs> right. And so fo followed the steps, went to the courthouse, paid $218.62 to be exact. I will always remember that number for him to be served. Wrote up a little divorce decree, handshaking. And the only thing I wanted was for him to always love his children and to maybe help me out, like give me half of the bills for them every month. But you've got to take care of your babies. And not even financially, you've got to take care of their hearts. That's all I wanted. 
he was served the papers because he was at this time living with his dad. And then he was surprised that he got served. <laughs> so like, what did you think was going to happen? You told me that the, it's too hard and you don't want to work on the marriage, but yet you're surprised. Well, I was embarrassed. And you don't think that I've been embarrassed for 10 years staying. And a decade of life. Yeah, like a decade, literally. And uh, the day that we got, it was divorce time. We had been technically, at this point, married. It was over a decade, technically 13 years, but we were separated for a while. And we were in room 13 at the courthouse with a new judge who looked 13 years old. <laughs> I was like, this is a child. He didn't ask us any questions, and we were divorced in 13 minutes. Wow. And then we hugged it out in the parking lot. He was like, you want to go get some pancakes? <laughs> I was kind of hungry, right? <laughs> but it just spoke to the fact that we chose in that moment. Yes, we both did a lot of things wrong. There was infidelity on both of our parts. But the things that we did right were creating two amazing human beings. And we chose to be brother and sister in Christ from that point on. And to this day, I have to say that our children have never heard the story. They have kind of have an inclination. I wrote a book about it. I'm like, y'all can't read this book. Took it off of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but they've only known their mom and dad to be the best of friends. And I choose daily to see him only as my brother in Christ, not as my ex-husband. Not as my baby daddy, not as the boy's father, but he's my brother in Christ. And because I have matured with my walk with Jesus, that is what I'm called to do. And if he doesn't look at me that way, that's cool. He respects me. He appreciates how I've cared for our children all these years. Um, but when I, I pray for him, I pray for his wife every Thursday. He's on my prayer list because he's my brother first, not my ex-husband. That's deep. I'm interested in the part, a couple of parts, but one where you say you took your book off of Amazon because you don't want your children knowing the full story. Why is that? Because all they know is mom and dad are like the coolest divorced people ever, <laughs> right? There was a point in time where we shared holidays together, right? He would come over to the house. We having Thanksgiving dinner together. If it's the boy's birthday, we always celebrate it together. Um, I think that they're old enough at this point. My son keeps asking, like, Ma, I saw that book. Because I have, like, a couple of them on the shelf at home. But I want them to be able to ask their dad. I don't think this information should come from me. Um, because they're men. And they've been raised by a mom who is very, I'm very headstrong. But I'm also their spiritual covering. And I believe in protecting their hearts as long as I possibly can, because I never want them to view their father differently. He's your daddy and he loves you. He's your daddy and he loves me too. We're just not married. That, that's all that matters. The story behind why we're divorced doesn't matter because we didn't divorce you guys. You were never impacted. Like my youngest son doesn't remember ever living with his dad because he was so young. He was barely 
He wasn't walking when his dad moved out of my parents' house. He's only known living with Papa and now living with his stepdad, which is my husband now. Um, Jonathan, on the other hand, remembers both. And he remembered his life being turned upside down. And that was the most heartbreaking for him to be asking for his daddy to come lay with him at night. But he wasn't there. But you're gonna see him on the weekend because you get to see your daddy every weekend. I wasn't stingy like, oh, you only see him once a month. No, you're gonna see your kids. <laughs> you're gonna pick him up from daycare. And to this day, John's in college. Like, they will always know that their parents are the coolest divorced people ever. But it's because of Christ, because of my posture and my choice in remembering that. He's God's son. Before he was ever my fiance, before he was ever my husband, before he was ever my children's father, he's God's son, so why wouldn't I love him? Mm. So I want to take a couple of steps back. I know that your parents have been married for how many years now? 52. Right, five decades and some mm -hmm. some court, some change, right? Mm -hmm. At that, at the time that you got divorced, did you know any other couples that were divorced? Like, were you the first one in your immediate yeah, in my immediate family? And that's that's part of part of the reason why I did stay so long because there was infidelity in my parents' marriage. I have a twenty-seven-year-old sister um, who is just my heartbeat. Um, but I'm like, if my mom can stay, I can stay. Cause I wanted to be my mom. She was a stay-at-home mom, raising her babies with gardening on Saturdays, and she stayed. And I chose not to. So I feel like I was breaking tradition. Um, that I wasn't really a God-fearing woman, because through thick and thin. But then I was just like, wait a minute, God. I need to do some research in this here thing that's called the Bible because I feel like somewhere in here he could have divorced me biblically because there was infidelity, right? And I'm just like, my mama chose to say that was her choice. It doesn't have to be mine. Mm. And my mom loved me through it. Um, and she eventually told me that she was proud of me because I had the strength that she didn't have. Because my daddy was and is her whole world. She had never been with another man, had never dated another man, has known my father since she was nine years old. And she was just like, you did something that I could never do because your daddy's my world. But you get a chance now to discover who you are and figure out what your world looks like without that whole role versus identity thing, right? Um, and that was hard for me to hear my, from my mom, and it kind of broke my heart. I'm like, what would have happened if she would have chose herself? Right. Right? And not stay with daddy. What? Right. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine that, and then it put me in the shoes of my children, like, oh my word, my babies, right? This is... The heartbreak that I felt as an adult rem reminded me of the heartbreak that they're probably feeling that their dad isn't here. Right. I was heartbroken all over again. And my, at this time, my sister's grown, right? Um, and 
but divorce was never an option. It wasn't a word that I knew. Um, I didn't see a lot of it in the church. I saw people staying, even through abusive relationships, like your whole husband is smashing your face in, but you are yet whole known because it's what you do in church. You stay married, even if he's sleeping with all the choir members, you will stay married because this is what you do. Yeah. And I realized that's not God's heart. You don't want us to take abuse, to take abuse emotionally, physically to be cheated on. It's right there in the Bible. We just assume that, oh, you know, it's a covenant and God can do the impossible. He absolutely can. And I've seen him do it several times. However, if a husband is supposed to love his wife as God loves the church, like that's like a legit thing. And he's not loving his wife as Christ loves the church. He's not respecting his wife as Christ respects his bride. Sirs and ma'ams, what are we doing here? You can't sleep with the whole world and think that God's gonna bless your covenant. That part. So, in your post-divorce time and the interim, how did you nurse your children? Um, in a sense of like ensuring that their needs were met and they weren't as impacted by the divorce. Well, the youngest son was too young to have a, have a memory, Mm -hmm. but your oldest son, how was that relationship? So that's a great question. Um, I Googled, (laughs) (laughs) I forget the author, but there's a book called how to raise an emotionally intelligent child. Mm. And I wanted to begin raising Jonathan and teaching him to advocate for himself and the feelings that he has. And so I learned language that I never was taught as a child in respecting a child um, and asking a lot of questions, right? How do you feel today? Like, what is, what's the scariest thought that you've thought of today? He was like six, right? And he was just like, you passing away or daddy dying. Okay, let's talk about that. And so I would ask, very in conversation, we'd be chopping vegetables in the kitchen, right? Making dinner. But I made it a habit to do emotional check-ins with my baby every single day. And sometimes he would withdraw and he would say, I'm not ready to talk about it. And instead of pushing him to talk about it, I respected his space. but I also allowed him to cry a lot. And it's a stigma for black men to not cry. Like, mm-hmm. man up, boy, don't you cry. You know, get it together. Men don't cry. Yes, they do. Baby, cry your eyes out, you know? Um, and his dad and I did a good job at taking him out to eat, right, together and still showing him that mom and dad still love each other. We're just not together. Um, and even he had no clue, right? Um, but as Jonathan grew up, I started, I noticed that he had, he struggled with expressing himself because he did retreat a lot, but he knows his triggers now. And even yet he's in college, he'll call me like, mom, I need you to talk me through my triggers. 
So he's learned triggers. He has the language. He has the language. The tools. And the tools. And um, I feared that my children would not want to get married because their parents aren't married. Um, but they love the girls, honey. Okay? <laughs> um, and, you know, they talk about being married and being a good husband and being a good father. And so I think that it's important for mamas to allow their children to grieve and to not stifle that time for them and ask good questions. And if they need a minute, give them a minute. Don't push. That's good. So while you were doing that for your children, were you doing that for yourself? I'm going to say the bad word. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I and sure why was not? not. So I, I rebelled against like all things Jesus. Right outside of raising my babies, I was gonna be with everybody, okay? Because I didn't, ha I didn't have a lot of sex while I was married, but I'm about to get me some, okay? And so I was in therapy, but I found myself in relationships that I shouldn't have been in with both men and women, and um, because I felt like I deserved to be touched, I deserved to be intimate, right, um, with someone, and. It was a horrible time for me um, until one day God was just like, yo, boo. Let's wrap this up. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up. And, um, I, and I think, not to cut you off, I think that was your way of grieving. It was right? my way of grieving. And, and Absolutely. expressing yourself in that way. Like, we know there's a myriad, a myriad of ways yeah. uh, to grieve yeah. and when those suppressed mm -hmm. emotions bubble up yeah. uh, and it comes out yeah. <laughs> but I, I I asked you that question because I found it I find that sometimes we will give something to others that we don't give to ourselves yeah. and through your journey uh, from being married at a young age mm -hmm. to being divorced at a young age. It's so much learning in that that, so I, that I'm sure you were able to look at like a book and say, you know what, if and when I get married again, which you did, yeah. these are things that I'm really going to consider doing yeah. and not doing. Yeah. And Knowing myself was a part of that journey, right? And um, I think allowing myself to be sad mm. was an emotion that I wasn't used to because I grew up in church. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Smile, baby. But Everything's you never gonna be all right because you never saw anyone else. Never saw anyone else express what we call the difficult emotions: yeah. fear, sadness, yeah. depression, it was a negative anger. Emotion. Correct. Uh, versus just looking at them as emotions. Yeah, and sadness is actually a healthy emotion to have. Yeah. Anger, you know, my crazy time when I was on snaps, <laughs> almost. Um, that's a, that's a. Even though I was about to sin in my anger, a whole different podcast. Um, <laughs> But sadness was something that I wasn't used to. Yeah. And I didn't want to feel sad. I didn't want to be sad, but I was dying inside. Yeah. And every person that I was with physically, I would still leave and I would bawl my eyes out in the car because I was still going home alone. Right. Mm. Who, MJ? <laughs> I mean. <laughs>
and we laugh, right? Because we need laughter as part of our medicine in this life. Because life be life in. Life be life in, honey. There is joy after the storm but yeah. sometimes we just need help through the storm yeah, and I uh, I appreciate this part too in you taking us through your storm yeah. and not just pointing the fingers and the blame yeah. but saying this was my part yeah and the storm that I lived through mm-hmm. and hopes that others won't feel ashamed yeah. or embarrassed about there's no shame. the storms that mm-hmm. they're living through so thank you oh you're welcome you're for welcome. it's my pleasure joining me again thank and you for having me again <laughs> I appreciate it of course of course so thank you all for tuning in for part two of journey to divorce with mj and take care